Hi, you're listening to On Israel from Tel Aviv. I'm Ben Kaspit. Israel appears to be rushing headlong into a fourth election and toward the brink of a possible chaos. In a sign of the deepening crisis, the regular Sunday government meeting was canceled after Prime Minister Netanyahu and alternate Prime Minister Benny Gantz could not agree on the agenda. Netanyahu insists on a one-year budget in blatant violation of his coalition deal with Gantz on a two-year budget. Right now, each seems intent on fighting to the bitter end, although the end in Israel is often delayed and finally arrives much after the end. A senior Likud minister said over the weekend that if Israel does indeed call its fourth election in 18 months, it could be competing with Lebanon for the title of the sick man of the Middle East. This is obviously an exaggeration. The Israeli economy entered the corona crisis in robust condition and the state is far from bankrupt. But a series of inconclusive elections, turbulent governance, a prime minister under criminal indictment, mass protests and the eternal split between left and right are turning the country from an oasis of stability into a risky gamble. Our guest today is Minister Izhar Shai, Minister of Science and Technology, member of the Blue and White Party. Prior to joining the Israeli parliament, Izhar Shai was a high-tech entrepreneur, two-time CEO of startup companies which realized successful outcomes for the, their investors. He wrote a popular weekly column at Globes for 11 years, authored two books, and founded Israel's largest digital community for entrepreneurs with about 45,000 members. He was voted as one of the 100 most influential individuals in the Israeli high-tech ecosystem. Minister Shai will be right with us after a short commercial break. If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East, and if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at elmonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon Elmonitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our Elmonitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, On Israel with Ben Caspit and On the Middle East with me. Andrew Parasoliti. Shalom Izar Shai, Minister of Science and Technology, and thank you for joining us here on Israel in Al Monitor. Shalom Izar. Shalom Ben, thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Let's let's dive into the, the, the political chaos. Earlier this morning, before we we met here, uh, I thought that the cancellation of the weekly government meeting is another indication that its days are numbered. Then came the the meeting of the Corona cabinet and the two prime ministers, Gantz and Netanyahu, traded loud shoutings between them. And it's another sign. And I wanted to ask you, do you think there is still 
chance of saving this so-called unity between the Likud and blue and white? Yes, uh, I was there when this discussion took place. I heard uh, the voice of Benny Gantz uh, loud and clear when he was uh, stating his frustration about the current attitude and behavior of uh, uh, Mr. Netanyahu, our Prime Minister. Gantz uh, was uh, stating his uh, frustration about Netanyahu's uh, approach for the, the budgeting issues and others, and um, stated what was uh, obvious uh, now for all of us, which is Netanyahu is following his personal interests when he is uh, trying to approve a budget only for this year and not for next year, as it was pre-agreed upon in our coalition agreement, which is the foundation of this government. Now, you were asking me if there is still a chance to save this government. We all believe that there is still a reasonable chance, assuming that Mr. Netanyahu does want to put the interest of uh, the people of Israel uh, first, and then only then to think about his own uh, personal interest as to what he needs to accomplish when uh, pushing forward an unwanted uh, election, yet again, an unwanted uh, election campaign. So we are doing our best. We are putting efforts together. We are speaking to various members of the Israeli Knesset and trying to avoid, to the extent possible, yet another round of elections here in Israel. In your opinion or knowledge, is there direct a connection right now between Likud and Kaholavan, or the or the prime ministers themselves, Netanyahu and Gantz, or any? You know, people, people that they send to talk with each other, is someone doing the work of trying to get them together or there is total uh, blackout between the, the, the two parties? Yes, so as it so happens in Israel, then in times like this, everybody is speaking with everybody. Uh, we are seeing uh, ongoing conversations with various uh, members of the Israeli Knesset, uh, members who uh, belong to various uh, parties from the coalition, from the opposition, everybody speaking with everybody, trying to figure out the appropriate formula. In most cases, this formula tries to avoid these uh, unwanted upcoming elections. And the conversations uh, I'm privy to are indeed around various options that will help us prevent these unwanted elections. It is important to realize, Ben, uh, 9 million Israeli citizens do not want these elections to take place. There is one and only Israeli citizen who is pushing forward this uh, option, who is really interested, apparently, in going into elections. And that person is uh, Mr. Benjamin Netanyahu. And once you understand that, you can understand the motivation for those so many conversations that are taking place as we speak and will be taking place over the next you know, few days or a couple of weeks until we all know for sure what is indeed happening on August 25th. By the way, I know Benny Gantz for many years because uh, I followed his uh, military career. You know, if he, you said, just said that you heard his shouting towards the Prime Minister Netanyahu, Benny Gantz is one of the most relaxed persons I ever met. I think you are the, the number of people that heard him shouting are, are very numbered, and now you are one of the uh, these lucky uh, people. And I wanted to ask you: Do you think or assume that Gantz will blink 
and compromise on the budget. I'm not sure all, all our listeners understand the crucial thing of this budget. It's not only the budget, because if they will, uh, if the, the Netanyahu will insist accepting and approving a one-year budget in cabinet, he will have a chance next year to avoid the rotation between him and Benny Gantz. And this is the crucial point of the whole, of the whole situation. So look, Ben, the real question is whether Netanyahu wants to stand by an agreement that was signed by two parties. He's one of the people who signed that agreement representing the Likud party. So the question is, does he want to stand by that agreement or he wants to, uh, to null this agreement for all kinds of personal reasons? Now, if we were to compromise on the budget, he would have found another reason to break apart this agreement, which is why there is no reason really for Benny Gantz or anybody on our party to compromise on this issue. First of all, this is the right thing to do. We are approaching quickly the end of this year, definitely when speaking about budgeting processes. Once a budget process will be done, we are going to be in the, uh, probably in the time frame of uh, October, close to November. So we are really talking about maybe 60 days of uh, the extension of this uh, budget into 2020, which is the real reason why we want to, to plan for a full budget year of 2021. Now, this is the economic reason. The legal reason is that we are signed up on a mutual agreement, both as the Minister Netanyahu and the Likud party. Uh, and that's yet another reason to go by the written agreement between the parties. If Netanyahu wants to break apart, if he doesn't want to fulfill his part in this agreement, he will find other ways to overcome, to, to put aside the, the provisions of this agreement. And this is why there is no uh, practical reason to compromise here Again, it is the right thing to do, and then from a negotiations and political point of view, there is no point in giving up on this one, as Mr. Netanyahu will find another reason to break away from this agreement. So you saved my next question. <clears throat> so let me sum up what, what you said until, until now. I wanted to ask you about ideas or plans of a compromise. You are saying a simple thing. Blue and white and Benny Gantz are going ahead all the way it's either two two year budget as as uh, the agreement is uh, is uh, stating or nothing or election yes look the people who will listen to this interview have to realize everybody who understands in economics and uh, financials who knows something about israel has already signed up to the idea that we absolutely need a, a budget that will carry this country through 2021. You cannot find today a single contact point who knows economics, who understands treasury, understands the financials of the state of Israel that we support a short-term two to three month budget, which is why we need this budget to take us through next year. Um, now, you take all of this into consideration while understanding that we are suffering a very significant crisis uh, created by the COVID-19 pandemic, and you realize yet another very significant reason as to why we need to extend this budget into 2021. We need to provide for long-term planning, long-term stability for employers, for employees, 
for international commercial relationships and so on, nobody will find any good reason to, to uh, support a short-term budget for only 2020. So, you know, there's no reason to compromise from an economic standpoint. Obviously, there's no reason to compromise for the reasons I stated before, you know, it will take us to the next obstacle, which, which Mr. Netanyahu will obviously find. If he does not want to fulfill this agreement, he will find ways to overcome this and, uh, and break apart this agreement. Is this the stage where you should tell yourself we were so stupid to believe him? Or, or will, we, will we face this one two weeks from now? You know, the deadline to the whole crisis is uh, August 25th. Maybe if there will be a postponement, we'll talk about later, but do you already tell yourself it was a huge mistake to believe Mr. Netanyahu? No, it was the only right thing to do. If we take ourselves back about uh, three months ago, we were in the midst of the most significant political crisis ever for this country. And that political crisis took all of us, the Israeli citizens, through three election campaigns with no government formed, established, and elected to, to govern this country, with a budget that uh, had not been approved for more than two years, with all the issues and ramifications related to such a long, significant crisis. And we were facing yet another election round if we were not to take that uh, very significant decision. And we, we made a decision while contemplating the possible ramifications of the continuation of the coronavirus crisis. Now, um, the days that took us from May 2020 through today only proved that we were right in assuming that the crisis could become even more significant. In May 2020, we were post round one of this uh, coronavirus uh, wave we were facing uh, sort of a, a better situation in terms of facing the pandemic, but we were contemplating what would happen next and exactly what we feared happened. We are now facing a very significant health-related issue, which uh, correlates with a very significant financial crisis. And we just could not let this country go through yet another round of elections. Uh, by the way, we are making this, uh, we are taking this uh, conversation in the beginning of August. This is actually where we would uh, have been if we were to go into elections. We would have uh, been speaking today about election campaigns, about uh, going to, to vote sometime over the next couple of weeks. This is the, the date of the original fourth election. Right, which is totally crazy. If you look at the health situation, uh, that we are facing today, more than 1,500 identified corona, coronavirus uh, um, patients on a daily basis, where we are filling up slowly, uh, but in a steady pace, our hospitals, where the country is facing a very significant economic crisis. This is the last thing that anybody would, uh, would need to see here uh, going through elections. This is what we try to avoid. Uh, we made a very, very difficult decision we took the responsibility of avoiding another round while making a significant compromise with our political opponent. You know, it is important to say that the Likud party also made that significant uh, sacrifice and uh, compromise. And we all put ourselves together in a situation that we thought would take us through the next three to four years. 
you know, it is a sad situation where one person, just one person, is uh, taking his own personal interest uh, as a priority on top of everything else. Uh, we are speaking with the uh, Likud party members and other right-wing members who are, you could say, almost totally shocked by Netanyahu's attitude and behavior uh, and by him taking this whole country through the risk of running yet another round of elections with, frankly, no good reason Minister Shah, you're not the only uh, person that says in the last few days that he hears the voices also from the Likud party, within the Likud party, even senior Likud ministers, they say it's insane uh, uh, from Netanyahu, from the Netanyahu's side to take the country to election. Isn't there any grown-up personality in the Likud that can say it loud and clear to Netanyahu himself? So it's interesting, you know, a number of uh, senior Likud members uh, said for the record on uh, live interviews that uh, they thought going into elections would be a very bad idea. We are still lacking that courageous person who will say, Netanyahu, stop. You either go away or you stop from uh, dragging all of us, Likud members, uh, any other members, uh, any other politicians, but frankly, everybody in this country into elections, just stop. So we are missing those people who will stand up for this principle and we stop Netanyahu from uh, doing this. Uh, but, uh, you know, we are speaking with uh, Likud members, we are speaking with other right-wing members, we are speaking with uh, the Orthodox uh, party members who are a significant part of this coalition as well. Um, you know, I don't want to sound over-optimistic. There is a small chance, but still uh, higher than zero, that somebody will stand up and will be courageous enough to say, enough is enough, we are not doing this. You either put your act together, Mr. Netanyahu, or we are breaking away from, from your block, from the right-wing block, and making whatever is needed, uh, doing whatever is needed to do in order to form up a reasonable coalition. Um, you know, I don't know if this is really going to happen, but we hear the noise, we hear the reasoning, uh, everybody understands the logic behind stopping from going into elections. So, you know, who knows, that may still happen. I thank you for uh, uh, mentioning the Orthodox parties because uh, we heard the three leaders of the Orthodox parties, uh, Arya Deri, Yaakov Litzman, and Moshe Gafni, stating loud and clear before the forming of this coalition, convincing Benny Gantz and Gabi Ashkenazi to cut a deal with Netanyahu and saying, we will, be the we will guarantee that Netanyahu will keep his word. So where are they now? to tell Netanyahu, listen, don't go there, we will not follow you. So we have approached all three of them, Gaffney, Litzman, and Derry. And first of all, off the record, uh, we asked them to stand by their commitments to, to warrant for this uh, government. Uh, we are now demanding this publicly. We want them to uh, comply with their statements upon uh, the formation of this government. We want them to fulfill their part in this coalition uh, agreement. They need to, to provide for the safety of this uh, government. This is what they promised. By the way, this is also their 
real political interest. If you think about the status of the people they represent, this government is a very good government for the Orthodox population in Israel. It represents uh, coalition members who are, so, so to speak, favorable to the Orthodox case. Even us in uh, blue and white, you know, we are not typically Orthodox representers, but we are aware of the issues and uh, we put together a whole framework of compromise to, to make sure that the Orthodox parties do have an ongoing open discussion with us about the issues that matter to them. So that they, so they know that from a political standpoint, this is a good government for their people. They know that from a financial standpoint, this government has to continue to work because they are facing significant, very significant budgetary issues. And again, by the way, they have to stand by an agreement that they signed up to, and they are the, 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 the ones who kind of warranted for this agreement to happen. We demand that they fulfill their role in this coalition. My last political question is uh, about Benny Gantz himself. The polls are not uh, very optimistic uh, about uh, blue and white. You lose more than half of your uh, uh, Knesset members. Do you think uh, Gantz is here to stay? Will he remain in politics? Will, in your opinion, he will, he will remain the number one uh, of blue and white? Is there a possibility to, to make a change with the other chief of staffs possible, like Gabi Ashkenazi or Gadi Eisenkot, who, is, who will probably join uh, politics in the next, next few months? What do you think about Gantz's future? You know, just putting this aside for a second, Naftali Bennett, who now leads by the polls the second or third largest party, theoretically, in the parliament, was voted out of the Knesset in the first round of this uh, three rounds election uh, years. So in politics, definitely in Israeli politics, you never know. And especially when you look at poll numbers, you really shouldn't judge and make uh, decisions based upon polls. This aside, Benny Gantz, has uh, established uh, the Blue and White Party. He is the leader of uh, Blue and White, and he continues uh, to make tough decisions, to take responsibility, to work seven by 24 for the Israeli people in his role as our Minister of Defense and uh, substitute uh, Prime Minister. And uh, Mr. Uh, Gantz will continue to lead the party. He is uh, a strong leader, very charismatic leader, and he leads all of us by example and by, uh, by uh, his uh, very special attitude, as you mentioned it before. So I trust that you will see him around Israeli politics as a very important leader in the foreseen future. Yes, you mentioned this very special attitude. And then, yes, we, we were talking about his being so relaxed in this chaotic Israeli political uh, atmosphere. And it's really something we never saw before in Israeli politics. But let me ask you one question about the corona crisis. What do we think of the way the crisis has been handled, of the delay in appointing a national corona project manager and in handing over authority to the military? Has Netanyahu failed? Look, I don't know that it is the time to summarize uh, the way the Israeli government faced this pandemic from uh, the various uh, aspects of uh, dealing with the coronavirus challenges. I do believe that things could have been handled better, definitely in handing over a significant part of uh, the, uh, the roles 
to the roles with dealing with the pandemic to the Israeli army. Uh, we have a very significant uh, establishment within uh, our army in terms of handling logistics and capable and uh, accumulated experience in handling those types of situations. So we should have handled uh, much earlier a significant part of, uh, of this uh, fight to the Israeli army. We should have appointed a coronavirus um, commander, so to speak. We have now appointed, we call, we call him projector, projector, you know, the, the, the project manager, you could call it. Yeah. The guy who runs this project could have been appointed uh, earlier. But uh, frankly, Ben, you know, I am watching and reading very uh, intensively reports from around the world, dozens and dozens of governments uh, dealing with this uh, crisis. None of them uh, is doing it ideally. Uh, many of them are facing the issues of the second round, the second wave of the pandemic. Many of them are reopening and reclosing geographies or countries. So, you know, it is early, too early to define. I'm definitely sure uh, that uh, we will deal with, uh, God forbid, the third wave much better than the second wave and God forbid the fourth one and so on. By the end of the day, uh, we are trying our best and I think that the government has improved in a significant way over the last few weeks. Frankly and modestly, a lot of this is due to the contribution of the Blue and White Party to the Corona cabinet, which is part of our government. I wanted to ask you one last question about your, uh, your expertise as, a, as one of the most successful innovators of our startup nation. Hightech is a vital uh, economic engine in the Israeli economy. To what extent, if any, has the pandemic damaged it? It's a, it's a good question. The pandemic has definitely uh, touched upon the Israeli high-tech and in a number of ways has uh, influenced it uh, in uh, negative uh, ways. Um, one of them is the reduction in foreign investments in the Israeli high-tech. We depend very much on foreign investments to fund, to fuel startup nation and the establishment of uh, young uh, startup companies within the high-tech uh, ecosystem as it so happens typically in uh, international financial crises, uh, we have seen a slowdown in foreign investments in Israel. Along with that, we have seen the slowdown in the global economy, which takes down revenue numbers for the vast majority of the Israeli high-tech companies. And we see significant challenges related to the, the difficulties in traveling abroad, in seeing customers, meeting customers and business partners. So all of these, has a toll on the Israeli high-tech, which has slowed down. All this said, everybody realizes that the Israeli high-tech is also going to be one of the most significant growth engines uh, for the Israeli economy. This is why the government is paying attention and also fueling, to a certain extent, some programs that uh, have been put in place by the government in order to accelerate the growth of young companies to still invest in early-stage uh, startups and to be ready when we want to take all of us out of this uh, pandemic uh, financial crisis. And we know that by creating jobs, by, um, by helping people train themselves and switch jobs into the high-tech uh, economy, we are kind of building the exit engines, those engines that will help the Israeli economy grow up and grow quickly out of this uh, crisis. 
so, you know, in high tech, you always say that there is uh, also an opportunity in any challenge. The coronavirus challenge is definitely an example where you see the opportunities and you realize that these are also the opportunities for growth and for taking us quickly when we are able to, to get out of the, the health situation into recovering from the economic situation as well. Minister Izashai, it was fascinating. I thank you very much for joining us here in Own Israel. And we will uh, be right back with some closure thoughts after this commercial break. Thank you again. Shalom, Izab. Thank you very much, Ben. If you're listening to this podcast, you obviously care about the Middle East. And if you do, you should probably be reading El Monitor. El Monitor is a global newsroom headquartered in Washington, D.C., with a network of over 160 contributors around the world. El Monitor offers first-class reporting and analysis from a range of perspectives and an approach that represents the highest journalistic standards, as well as an award-winning commitment to press freedom and independence. If you haven't done so already, visit us at elmonitor.com, check out our articles, and sign up for our free newsletters. There's a lot to choose from, including the Week in Review, an essay that offers unusual insights and forecasts into the region based upon El Monitor's outstanding reporting. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to our El Monitor podcast on your favorite podcast platform, On Israel with Ben Caspit and On the Middle East with me, Andrew Parasoliti. Right after this uh, conversation with Minister Shai concluded, the Likud announced they will support the compromise decision offered by the party of Derech Eretz to vote to postpone the deadline of the budget approval for 100 days. The crisis is far from over, but like always in the Netanyahu era, there is a lot more to come in the next few weeks. Gantz knows Netanyahu is not going to let go. He is determined to sabotage the planned rotation between them that is supposed to take place in November 2021. Right now, Benny Gantz can afford himself a hint of a smile. This is not a victory, but it is definitely not a defeat. Bibi was the first one to blink. The real trouble awaits Gantz down the road. He is maybe down, but not out yet. Thank you for listening to us. We'll be back here next Monday in On Israel, and I'll monitor. Take care.